Now, a quarter of kids at four and a half years old have what they call suboptimal development health. The data has come from the Growing Up in New Zealand study, which found children at a social and economic disadvantage are more likely to wind up in that category. The lead author on this one is Dr. Jin Russell, and Jin is with us now. Hi, Jin. Oh, kia ora, Heather. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for joining. A quarter of kids, it's its kind of a big number. Did that surprise you? Yeah, it's a big number. You know what, though? It, when you break it down, we're looking at three different groups of kids who go into that. So there's kids who have lots of chronic conditions. They fall under that category. There's kids who I sort of the the kids that I see at Startup and Clinic who have multiple developmental difficulties across multiple domains of development, they fall in that category. And then the other group, which is about 20% of the children, are children who are just lagging behind in their early learning skills, things like early literacy uh, and their ability to attend and focus their executive function. They're lagging behind. And I suppose I wasn't surprised, but I was quite gutted to see that sort of socioeconomic patterning. What is what is it causing it? So it, it, it's parents who are... Um, financially not doing well? So we looked at multiple factors. You know, we looked at a suite of factors that could predict whether children would fall into the suboptimal categories or not. Um, One major relationship that we found was the more socioeconomic disadvantages that a mother faced in pregnancy with that child, the more likely they were to end up with suboptimal development and health at age four and a half. Yeah, we think, I mean, it's a really good question. So, I mean, one thought that we have is that, you know, if you are under financial strain, it's actually really difficult to give your best to your children. It's hard to find the resources, to read them books, to have the time. We often see families who are working shifts, parents who are really stressed. It's difficult to to do your best for parenting. So that's that's one reason. But, you know, the other thing is we also found things like if you had unmet healthcare needs. So if you found it difficult to access the GP, or if you had English as a second language, you know, for those reasons, children were also more likely to be lagging behind in the development and health. Why? Why the... Why well, let's start with English, as, English mm. as a second language. Why? Why would that affect the child? Yeah, so sure. So if, you know, one of the things that we're looking at is children's early literacy, so their ability yeah. to identify alphabet letters. If you're not using English as your first language at home, then you're already sort of at a disadvantage, aren't you? Mm. But it's also harder to navigate the education and healthcare system. So if your parents speak a different language at home and then you go to an English-speaking ECE, then that might put you at a disadvantage because you've got to catch up compared to your peers. I would have thought, Jin, that kids are kids are really resilient, right? And they, um, mm. I'm not trying to minimise your findings. I'm trying to find some hope yeah, in it. Sure. I think, but yeah, I, yeah, I would yeah. have thought, you know, they're so malleable, so pliable, and they learn so fast that they would. Mm. You could send them to an ECE, and they would learn English and catch up, wouldn't they? Yes, and I think that kids are incredibly resilient. So one thing that I'm really, you know, keen to communicate is that these are not deterministic findings. These findings do not say that if, you know, you face disadvantage in life and setbacks early in life, that you are resigned to a, a life where you're going to be behind. You know, that is that is not the key message here. What we have found, though, is that the playing field isn't level. So children who face these multiple socioeconomic disadvantages have to kind of overcome more in order to draw even with kids who don't face those disadvantages. The other thing, though, is that we had some really positive findings. So we found that, you know, parents who read to their children in infancy, so really early on, even before children start talking and start speaking, if you read to your child early on, those children were more likely to be in flourishing developmental health groups in our study. And that's a really positive thing. You know, I think that that reading to the child early on probably is a stand-in 
So lots of other behaviours that parents can do to support their child's development. Talking to your child, singing to your child. These are things which every parent can do. Uh, and so that was a positive finding there, and I'd encourage parents in that way. Oh, so the reading, it's not so much that they're reading, it's simply that they're communicating to the child and interacting. Yeah, so I, so in the study, we looked at reading to the child because that's the information that we had from, yeah. the, from the mother. But I suspect that that one variable is actually just symbolic of or representative of a yeah. whole bunch of behaviours, you know. So, so in lots of ways, I just encourage parents to not only read to their child, but speak to them, wait for your child to respond to you, communicate with them, play with them, laugh with them, sing to them, tell them stories. So all those kinds of things that parents can do are going to also you know, shape their development and, and help them to flourish. Right, Jen. So um, what, once we send them to school and they get into the education mm. system, how much of this do we undo? Yeah. You know, do, do you take heart from it? Yeah, so I mean, I am concerned about, you know, I would never be concerned about, say, a range, seeing a range of developmental skills in the population. We expect that. We expect children to be below average because that's what average means. But what I am concerned about is that patterning, the, the fact that, you know, if you've got more socioeconomic disadvantage, you're more likely to be behind when you enter school. That just means that our school, our school system and as well our early education settings are having to deal with children with a wide range of skills. Now, my hope would be, that if you get into a public school, that, you know, those educational inequities, those gaps, uh, they can be closed in the early years. That would be my hope. But um, we have to do the studies to find out. Now, overseas, what we can see from longitudinal studies of education is that often those gaps persist. So the gaps that you enter school with, if you're behind when you enter school, that just by and large, unless there's some sort of massive investment or effort or intervention, that children can continue to lag behind. Yeah. And so we, you know, so that's something that I, I would like to do going forward. Now we've got the data in growing up in New Zealand. It'd be really nice to look at that. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for talking us through it. That's Dr. Jen Russell, the lead author of that study. I don't have much confidence in our current education system, do you really, to pull them through anyway?